It's me again. Listen, it's called the MacGuffin Report. Movies, TV, American culture. You in? From LA, the MacGuffin Report. Produced by Inclusive Media. This episode Movie Classics with Hair on Them. Spider Man. Into the Spider-Verse, Sullivan's Travels. Classic movies like Casablanca, Sullivan's Travels, which we'll review later in the show, used to be called classics. In the last few years of being bombarded by tons of new content, these classic black-and-white movies have seemingly grown whiskers overnight. So the question is, 60 of the 100 top AFI films were made before 1970, That's 50-plus-year-old movies. Have the black-and-white classic movies aged beyond relevance in the context of the vast output of current movies and TV? Oz, what do you think? Well, first off, I I wanted to talk about these numbers because these numbers are actually... They actually show the exact opposite of what they were intended to show. Okay, so you look at the list of this AFI uh, films, and I looked at the second version, which was put out in 2007. Okay, so the oldest film on that list is from 1916, which I don't really want to talk about. And the newest one is from 2001, which I don't really want to talk about. Both of these movies are not very good, if you ask me. Um, But in any case, okay, so that's what? Well, I forget. That's 84 years total, okay? So the first 54 years on this list have 60 movies. Whereas from the 70s to 2001, that's 40 movies. So there's actually more modern movies on this AFI Top 100 than old movies right now as far as i'm concerned the afi list is really problematic i mean i can go and pick this thing to death but i'll try and keep it short i mean they got star wars two places above 2001 i mean that should say enough they got pulp fiction at like 95 which is ridiculous what is this um it's it's just votes Votes. by the american film institute yeah these folks are pretty knowledgeable but they have some old-fashioned ideas um As for aging, I've been hearing this a lot lately. This film ages well, this doesn't age well, and stuff like this. But you know what? The cream rises to the top. Um, I think that, you know, Casablanca is a great film. Uh, I don't think it matters if it's in black and white or in pink and purple. Um, Movies rise above the way that they look if they're really classics. Um, And I don't even mean art film stuff specifically as far as like you know is black and white going out well remember that you know black and white silent film won the oscar for best picture like just a few years ago Mm -hmm. so it's like i think we'll always have black and white films and i hope that people aren't scared away by black and white films but i think the afi has their heart in the right place i think the 70s to the 90s are the are the high point of hollywood cinema and i think there should be 30 films of the top 100 on there maybe even more because they left a couple off Walter? I think good stories will always win out, uh, regardless of whether uh, they're in color, 3D, or the, the dreaded black and white. Uh, I, I mean, the old movies that are in black and white, I'm fine with because they had no choice. you know. Um, but today, if you shoot in black and white, I feel like someone needs to tell you, hey, you can shoot. You can actually shoot in 3D, too, which I don't really like. But... Uh, Actually, don't I like? I actually like black and white. I, I would, if I had a choice, I would choose black and white over three D. Um, that's just a personal thing. Uh, but yeah, I think good story always wins out. And I think 
the reason if there's a reason why um, some of these older movies, more of the older movies are on these lists is because they were the first ones to kind of explore this story or their story or uh, of the of that movie. Whereas now if we do that story, it's like, oh, that's just like that movie. You can't do that. You can't develop that that um, that type of movie because that story's already been done. And uh, there's good and bad points to kind of thinking that way. But I think as, as long as the story's good, the the movie's going to have legs. It, you know, it, it's going to be relevant. Um, I mean, you take a movie like Breakfast Club, where, you know, they, they said, hey, would that movie ever make it now? Probably not. It's a little bit different. It's, it's a different time. But it got to get those themes out. Right. See, yeah. see, that's why I'm against people saying this thing is dated. Look, The Breakfast Club is an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. It's about the 80s. Oh, my God. You mean it looks like an 80s movie? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and? So what's it, your point? It's supposed it's to. Still it's great. supposed to be. Yeah. It's yeah. still great. It's still about archetypical characters. Mm-hmm. It's even more valuable today. And I think that if they did do this film today, I think they should just re-release it. Yeah, just rather rather than remake the old it, one. Yeah. put it into the Blu-ray, you know, high definition, yeah. it, and just re-release it the way it is. Yeah, rather they, than re remake it. And they and they do this kind of stuff. I heard just today. I heard that they're going to re-release the old uh, Tim Burton Batman's in the cinemas in May mm-hmm. to celebrate what? Batman's wow. 80th anniversary. Yeah, the first four Batman movies are going to hit the cinemas in May. Um, you know, just for like one or two days at a time. But I mean, you know, and and I'm sure some kids think those are dated. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's a product of its time. Now, whether it sticks or not is another question. Yeah, yeah I'm with you guys there. A good story will rise to the top, and it'll stick. Um, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Citizen Kane is on that AFI top 100 list, right? It's near the top five. Yeah, yeah. it's near the top five. Um, I had to sit through that uh, because I was uh, I take turns with my boyfriend picking movies to watch when we're uh, hanging out and he picked that one and I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Like I've seen the first, uh, I've seen part of that for like a movie uh, critical theory in cinema class. Um, and they have this one really long panning, a one shot basically going through the city. And then I was like, okay, I'll watch the rest of it. That was interesting. But it's again, at that time, a lot of those things were super novel. Now, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, watching yeah, it yeah. today, like I had to put myself in, I had to watch it through that lens of like this was incredible then. Yeah. Like it was, and then nowadays I'm just like, oh, okay, it's all right. But like you can't, you want to sleep, you can't compare what they had no. then to now. I mean, like I was watching, I was walking through like a Costco or something, and they had Monsters Inc. playing on one of those super nice high def 4K TVs. It looked awful. You could see the <laughs> space in between the hairs on um, Sully. Wow. It looked terrible, and I was like what happened to my movie that I love so much? It's like, no, the technology is just different now. And editing you know? is different. Editing is different. H- how we look at editing, uh, the quick cuts. Yeah. Citizen Kane, your feeling's okay because guess what? It's one of the most overrated movies ever. Okay. So overrated. It is pretentious. <laughs> it's so it pretentious. Is pre- it was look, like he you- was like, it was like a, like a self masturbatory, like, Totally. I was like, I don't need to see any more of totally. this. Orson Welles kills everything with his ego. The whole thing is stifled by his ego, okay? The thing <sighs> is, you look at that AFI list, and with the exception of Casablanca, that top 10 is the top 10 most overrated movies ever. <laughs> you, got God, you got Godfather in there. You got Star Wars in there. So they I mean, labeled the list wrong is what they did. Yeah, exactly. Is, the most is, overrated 100 movies. Is Roma on the top 10? No. Oh, that's a bad no. list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
as a vast sea of content output recently has outpaced the hours that people have to view them, how do you choose what you're going to watch? Do you let Netflix recommendations choose for you? Do you rely on reviews, friend recommendations? And how should younger people hmm, choose if you can get them away from YouTube? Wow, this is a little bit ageist question here. <laughs> I didn't write this. I will say that is ageist. Jesus. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Go, okay, go ahead, you young person, Rachel. <laughs> you young Tear person. yourself away from your YouTube on your phone and answer the question. How did you know what I was doing on my Where, phone? <laughs> because you're a millennial, so I'm of course kidding. I I have my notes on here. <laughs> Youth with notes. <laughs> exactly. Notes. Back in the what day, we didn't have notes? notes. We had to memorize everything. That's right. We had, it, we had to chisel it onto our we tablets. We had to put it on a chalk. A we, tablet we, was a piece of stone, had, yeah, not electronics. Yeah. You didn't have chalkboards at your desk when you were little? Actually, we did have chalkboards. <laughs> at your desk? Yeah. Oh, but you, you, you have notes too, right? Yeah, but we did have, we legit had chalkboards oh, wow. at school. You must have had an old, decrepit teacher. <laughs> I don't know. It was, was it Chinese school? I think it uh, was Chinese school. It was probably your jungle Asian school. They didn't have paper <laughs> and pen. I don't know. They just, I th- All well, we I have mean, is chalkboard and chalk. Dude, all Asians are cheap though. <laughs> except for the 1%. Of, well, no, even the 1% of the 1% are cheap. That's Probably. why they're rich. That's, that is true. That is true. Sorry. Let me get back to this question. <laughs> it's going to all get cut out. That um, was a great tangent. What I banter? <laughs> <laughs> Bandying all of these. Okay. Um, how do I, what do I choose to watch? Honestly, when it gets down to it, intuition, I know what I like and I feel like I get a good sense for it. Like the, um, the one thing that I was shocked that I liked was Kung Fu Panda because the trailer was so bad. Um, mm. But I actually really liked the movie. My friend wanted to go see it, and I'm like, ah, if it weren't your birthday, <laughs> I would not be going to see this. And I walked out, like, and I was like, oh, that was rather good. It wasn't because a white guy was playing a Chinese part? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Didn't think about that um, at the time. But uh, I do have, I do listen to friend recommendations, but they have to pitch it to me really well because I get really peeved when I just get, bombarded by you need to watch this without any particular good reason to especially like you need to watch it. it's just good it's just good you're gonna love it and i'm like how do you know yeah <laughs> how do you know um I, remember I went to see the lobster and they had a trailer for swiss army man and immediately i was like i'm gonna love this none of my friends had seen it and no one told me to watch it but like just seeing the trailer like uh <laughs> i don't know if i should uh, explain what it is to people maybe i should it's 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 basically Paul Dano sitting on top of uh, a dead Daniel Radcliffe that's right, that's farting right. around in the ocean. Right. And I was like, I weirdly, like that trailer got me. And then I watched it. And that's one of the few movies where I watched it. And then I restarted it immediately and watched it again. I was so chuffed by it. Wow, it was wow. so funny. And it was, um, it's the Daniel and Daniel team. They, uh, I think they wrote and directed it. I don't know if they produced it, probably as well. The cinematography is amazing. Watching some of the special effects, a lot of that stuff is practical. It's shocking what they get out of it. And it's just like this, that's escapism. That is escapism right there. Like It's Daniel Radcliffe trying to escape Harry Potter. Yeah. Is yes, what it is. It I mean, is. Talk about the part furthest away from Harry Potter. Well, he that did, he, sounds he like it. He did have uh, Equus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was the first major thing he did. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's a hell of a He's been trying ever since. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel feel like he's done it. Like, you watch Swiss Army Man's like, man, you you did it. Congratulations. Yeah, Yeah. Um, he's he's also in that Miracle Workers right now. Yeah, on TBS. Yeah, the Steve Buscemi show. Every time I see him, I just think Harry Potter. 
Yeah, you, so I mean, it's, it's such it's an so icon- difficult. such it's an iconic character. Yeah, it, it's iconic. so it, it's difficult to escape from such an iconic role. Yeah, like it's just, you just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And Wait, in regard to you, take another one, right? You do the Patrick Stewart thing. Yeah, like, you just do. You don't one. want to be John Luke Picard anymore. Okay, I'm going to be an X Man now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm big enough, so I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Netflix recommendations. Eh, I don't like thinking that the computer can guess what I want. I always, when I type into Google, I try to type faster than the suggestions because I don't want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's something about yes. my ego where it's like, you you don't know what I like. Yeah. You don't know me. But I'm, you know, I'm human just like anybody else. Basically, a set of equations stuffed into a brain. So. <laughs> but yeah, intuition is basically how I go about it. How about you, Walter? I. Uh... Recommendations is hard because I watch more TV than probably not only the average person, but more than all my friends. So no, none of my friends really recommend TV shows to me. Uh, I give every because I worked in TV, and so old habits die hard. I watch every pilot that comes out, wow, that, that gets aired, and I watch like uh, at least two episodes of it. I give everything two episodes. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, because the pilot is the pilot, and it has a big budget, and then the episode two is where the budget comes back down to reality. So I give everything two episodes. And for me, what I ask myself is, is it something different? And it's unfa- it's an unfair thing, but for me, is it something different? Like I haven't seen this before. Or the way they tackle the themes, they're, they're all similar themes, but the way they tackle this theme, is it different? It, does, it, does it attract me to it? Is the vehicle attractive to me? Um, do I want to be any of the characters? Uh, do I want to be in that world? That's what I kind of ask. For dramas, for comedies... Uh, do I laugh? Does it make me laugh? Uh, the last comedy that I laugh, well, I, I laugh, I laugh in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I laugh in the That's Mick. A good show. Yeah. The Mick got canceled, but those are shows that made me laugh. Big Bang Theory, I don't really laugh too much, but I just watch it out of habit. Uh, as far as like streaming shows, those Netflix recommendations, I don't take it as like a personal thing. Like, oh, Walter, you should watch this. I take it more as, oh, Netflix has this. <laughs> Like, I didn't know Netflix had that. Because I don't know if you guys know or if people that are listening are aware, all those shows you see when you open up Netflix, they paid to be there. Right. They're, they're advertisements. They pay to be there. So if you if this show that you watch doesn't have a budget, you're not going to see it. And the only way you'll know is if you type it in or someone tells you, oh, Netflix has a show now. So for me, like, I don't take the recommendations as like a, a personal like uh, list for me. I just take it as like, oh, hey, Walter, we have this. And then I just scroll through and you know see what they have, um, but as far as like Korean shows, I that if someone says I, that I do take recommendations. Oh, this is good, but that too I give it two three episodes. If it's not good, I stop watching. I don't got the time. Is with my busy TV schedule, I don't have the time to like dilly dally on these shows that aren't that aren't going to complete their storylines. <laughs> um, for American shows, I don't take recommendations because I just watch everything, and then if I don't like it, I stop watching it. It's a real. It's for me. It's a simple formula. Um, and I know there's TV shows um, like I, I during our break I, I recommended Justified to Oz, and I, I I have no problems recommending that show to 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 somebody, but if it's like, um, hey Oz, you should watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, I'd have a problem recommending that because it's a it's comedy subjective, and also it's not like I have a, a whole hundred percent faith in the show, but a show like Justified, Game of Thrones, uh, Sons of Anarchy, like I have full faith in those shows, and that. To the point where if you don't like it, then it just wasn't for you. 
I don't take it as a personal thing. But if I say, hey, you should watch Big Bang Theory. Like, it's great, Oz. You should watch it. And you don't like it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a personal thing then. It's like, ah, I feel like all weird. Um, but there's, but for me, like the mark of, for me, a mark of a good, great TV show is, uh, do I want to come back and watch it the next week? Yes, do that's I, how I. Yeah. Like, do I like that world? Do I like the, the people in there? Is there a girl I want to date? Is there a guy I want to be? Like, that's kind of like what I, I, I come to. And if, if everyone's selfish, then it's like, I don't want to be in that world. Oh, see, that's funny for me. That's why I like always say yeah. though. For some, yeah, like that's this is a more of a per, yeah, it's a personal thing. Yeah, but yeah, it's a personal yeah. Thing. like uh, if, if everyone's selfish, I just I, is, uh, I just can't. You know, I love shows where they help people, like uh, uh, God friended. Uh, is it God friended me on CBS? Yeah, God friended. Like he helps people. Uh, there's not a lot of shows like that right now where they they help people. Back then there were a lot. Early Edition was one where they help people. And so for me, God friend and me, it's cool. It 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 uh, it's, it fills a hole for me of where this guy goes around help, helping people, like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, the thing is, I would. And the thing is, I would not recommend God friending me to people. I would not hmm. recommend that because to me, it's not like a phenomenal show where I'm like, oh, this is great. It's just it's a, it's a good show. It fills a hole for me. Hmm. Madam Secretary, I wouldn't recommend to people, but I watch it every week. Hmm. It's decent. I, uh, great. I'm going to answer my own question. I'm going to do it very self-servedly. Uh, I was going to say that the only place people should get recommendations for movies for is from the MacGuffin Report podcast. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I heard about that recently. Know, and it it's is really good stuff, good especially stuff. that Walter guy, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't get him started on black and white Netflix <laughs> films. Uh, in any case, um, no, what I actually, to be a bit more serious, I think this question kind of like, um, asks a deeper question and that was what happened to classic film review i mean i've always loved film review and uh, it's gotten to the point now where not just movies but reviews of all kinds of things have become democratic i mean who wants to care what the people on rotten tomatoes think when almost all of them are going to say they liked it because they just spent 15 bucks plus paid the babysitter and paid for gas and popcorn so they're not going to admit that they just saw something bad and yet and here you have Netflix and there the posts are paid for and whatnot. Um, I have, you know, I have my favorite science fiction geek site, io9. And about three or four years ago, they basically adopted a policy of we're not going to give a negative review anymore. <laughs> I don't know if they li- I don't know if they I don't know if they literally said that, but it's pretty coincidental that everything they like, they always like everything that comes down the pike the most ridiculous crap <laughs> they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings right and i mean that's so, sweet but... <laughs> so to me the film reviewer and even if it's your friend recommending you a movie um i think that the key is no matter where you get your recommendations consider the source this was always the great thing about classic movie reviewers is not that they told you yes this is a good movie no this is a bad movie they told you yes this is a good movie because i'm coming it from this viewpoint and i'm being very clear about that yeah you know that's the thing it's like what walter was saying when he doesn't recommend stuff well i like to recommend stuff because x y and z I say, oh, my God, the cinematography is outstanding. Or I love Daniel Radcliffe playing a corpse you know, or something like this. You know, you've got to consider the source. No matter where you get your stuff, consider the source. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you're going to go Rotten Tomatoes audience ratings well, there's really no hope for you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't take a recommendation unless it comes from somebody intelligent, even if you don't agree with them. 
you know, as long as you know where they're coming from. It's Take the, that risk. Yeah, it's but. the entitlement that people want on themselves. Like, hey, my voice counts. Yeah. So if be, you can express yourself intelligently, it does. So then they, the thing is that they don't because like well, with Rotten Tomatoes, like I agree with you, it's the popularity yeah. of it. Back then, Siskel and Ebert. Whether you liked them or didn't like them. Oh my God, dream job though. They were the, yes. they were the ones that you listened to. Thumbs up, thumbs down. But now it's like, you know what? Like, Who are they to tell mm-hmm. me what to watch? I'm going to go with the masses. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the masses, I know this is crazy and novel for people, but the masses aren't always right. And case in point, our supreme leader. <laughs> So we watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse this week. It was the Oscar winner of Best Animated Feature, directed by Bob Parachetti, Peter Ramsey, Rodney Rothman, from a Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman screenplay. Now, this is the first animated Spider-Man movie, and it's about Miles Morales, brilliantly voiced by Shameik Moore, who is bitten by a spider that gives him the same powers as the already existing Spider-Man. The Spider-Verse is a multiverse where different worlds can collide. The thoroughly modern and original style of animation is a blend of 3D computer animation and drawn 2D animation with influences from American pop artist Roy Lichtenstein. This movie has set a new path for American animation in terms of both style and story. Walter, why don't you take this one first? I think I I was... I didn't want to be heavily influenced by everyone saying that it was a great movie. And also you saying that you don't care yeah, for animated. cartoons for me aren't, aren't, they're not really my thing. Because to me, because uh, effects have gotten so good that you can just make a live action version. And I was thinking that as I was watching this. I mean, there's certain things you just, it'd probably been really expensive. Um, having said all that, I mean, I think because people, everyone like everyone around me just kept saying, oh, this is great. You got to watch it. It's, it's really good, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I wanted not to be influenced by that, but I kind of was. And so because I was influenced by that, the movie for me wasn't as, I, I didn't receive it as well. I just thought it was okay. Um, but I, I, I tried to take a step back and look, look at the story and all that. I thought the story was fine. Um, the different, like, and because I don't know much about the Spider-Man universe in comics, I don't. I kept wondering, are these real Spider-Man characters? Like, I don't know. Is there a comic book on them? I can answer this. Do you know the? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay. So all of the other characters are from the Marvel universe, uh-huh. the established Marvel Comics universe. the The Spider Pig is actually from like a sort of parody funny animal series that okay. they did, right? So not really in the proper universe. And then the girl Penny Parker is actually from a video game. Oh, uh, okay. A, a Spider-Man video game. Right, so they all are in continuity. I see. Okay, in some respect, are they all yeah. considered canon? Uh, well, now they are, yes, because Penny has now been put into the mm, comic books, and Miles Morales is the current Spider-Man. Yeah. Is it, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I enjoyed all those extra characters, and I really liked the pig because he had four <laughs> eyes. I don't know if you guys noticed that. John Mulaney. He had the eyes in his <laughs> right. nose too, yeah. so I thought, oh, this is really cool. The spider. Um, Did but you yeah. know that he's actually a spider that was bitten by a radioactive pig? Yeah. That's. Did he, that, say, did he say something like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, he does. Did, okay. When they're yeah. doing the origins all together, he yeah. goes, "Pig." Uh. <laughs> you can hear him say. <laughs> It's so good. He gets all the best lines. Can you float in the air when you smell a delicious pie? Yeah. I love it. Take this. It'll fit in your pocket. I, I, I don't know. For me, all, all of it, it was just fine. Um, it was entertaining. Out of the movies we watched for this these series of, of podcasts, it was probably the best one. Oh, it was the best one. I enjoyed it the most. 
um, yeah, I, it just, I don't know. I, cause I kept thinking like this, they could have just made this live action. It would have been really cool if they made it live action. Um, but it would have been obviously crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, an animated, an animated movie, they need to do things that you can't do live action. Uh, in my mind. Um, so you really thought that when the universes were crossing over and like, subways are flying past you really could have done that live? i think so like if you look There's at a, if, you, if you look at on. avengers and then combine it with yeah. twister remember yeah. twister with jodie foster it would be done by like space jam i was uh, thinking if they were to do it live action uh-huh. it would probably be like space jam oh like a like a, like oh, a half and half yeah, yeah. situation because mm-hmm. a lot of that would be really tough live action yeah yeah no but I, I do yeah that, that's true it, it'd be like a mixture of animation and, and live action uh but no I, I enjoyed it though. I and I bet if I watch it again, like at a later time, I'd probably enjoy it more when, when all the fanfare is gone and I know it's not, I know what's going on. Um, it's just as good the second time. I be, yeah, I yeah. bet. And yeah. the third time. And I I'm, I'm a Nike fanboy, so I love that he was wearing Jordans. Oh my gosh, so cool. Um, but the funny, but but because I was being very technical, is that I was like, how is he affording that pair of Jordans? Because it, apparently they're not living in like a they're they're not a family of means. Well, and the pair that he has on our Jordan ones. And they're, they're, I believe they're the original Jordan ones. That's not a cheap pair of shoe. So, but I mean, I liked it. Um, I had to suspend belief on that his shoes allow him to stick too. That was kind of yeah, that's true. That's kind of yeah, a, yeah. apart from the Spider-Man mythology. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. Like, just there was stuff going on all the time. So it, there was no like lull, like where I was mm-hmm. like right. reaching for my phone or you know like looking around elsewhere. I thought, oh, this is cool. The fact that this movie even got made, much less was successful and, mm-hmm. and was done well, is amazing. Because, I mean, think about it. This is a mainstream movie, right? We're going to do the origin story in a completely different way than you expect, right? And we're going to have stuff like parallel universes, which mm-hmm. even though the geeks have one, is not exactly a mainstream principle for a movie yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's rarely done in movies. And done uh, well. Right. Yeah. I mean, Quentin Tarantino did an alternate history of World War II, but, you know, it's not nearly the yeah. same thing, right? And so I thought that was really important. I mean, and, and just what, I'm sorry I overhyped it, Walter, but no, 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 no. I it, was just it, it, astounded at, all. at the range of people who loved this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everybody, whether you hate superhero movies or not. I mean, you know, I was speaking with my wife's. Uh, sister-in-law who's Hungarian and you know her English is pretty good but she's not a native speaker she loved this movie she thought it was the best movie she saw last year she didn't know squat about Spider-Man yeah and and the other thing that really really hit me was this you know who could have used this movie way more than anybody else Superman Oh yeah, that's who. <laughs> yeah. Superman the has the cultural cachet. We know more about Superman than you know about your cousin, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and yet, and yet, DC Comics can't get it right. No. They can't do it like this, mm-hmm. which presented like like I said pre- on previous podcasts. I'm a real big fan of refreshing every cliche in the genre. So many times, this movie zigged when you wanted them to zag. Yeah. You know, oh, right yeah. at the end when they're like, okay, here comes the big fight. Let's go. And then she gets smoked before they even touch yeah, her. Yeah. Or like when you see the spider bite him and the venom's going down and it's doing all this crazy stuff. And then it hits that nerve ending and he just goes, flick. Yeah. I mean, Bill Ward just is so good at full that. Of it. Lord yeah. and Miller, they're constantly doing that in the Lego movies too. Yes. That's just yes. their thing. And 21 yeah. Jump Street. 21 Jump. Another oh, good example. Yeah, I think with, with the... With, I, with, 
really uh, surprised me is in, in this movie, I wanted to go and follow the other Spider-Men in their own uh, genre. Setting, yeah. Do you think I they're hope, setting up for that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that all the characters can carry their own thing, but um, it's in, like that anime one. I thought it was great. Like I'm interested oh, in what's Parker. going. Yeah, oh, Penny Parker. Yeah, yeah she was great. Be, she could. Carry uh, but I think if they all do it creatively, they can help sustain their own stories. And I think that to me was what that to me when I was looking at it objectively. I was like, that's really interesting. The fact that I, I care about all the different Spider Men. Yeah. And I want to follow them, like what their story is. Like I want to know with Peter Parker, did he um, fix his relationship with MJ? Yeah. yeah. You know, like I wanted, yeah. I wanted to know that. Yeah. Um, and and you know, all, all the different characters I wanted to follow them the pig not so much I kind of it's a one joke you know. character yeah, yeah. but uh, you know the noir the noir one I thought Nick that was Cage. so yeah that was so creative like a noir a film noir Spider-Man with, like, with a Rubik's Cube yeah. yeah did you like the cube yeah. I was gonna yes. say is this I, purple no I don't, I don't understand this yeah. but I will <laughs> <laughs> And stuff like that's great. Following him around. And the fact that Nick Cage was playing yeah. him. This melodramatic awesome. guy, he was tortured by the you know yeah. the morality of what he does. They let him <laughs> improv a lot of the old-timey phrasing. I bet. And oh, yeah. they had to take a lot of it out because some of it actually meant stuff. And they were like, oh, this is an innuendo. We have to edit this out. <laughs> yeah, I think and if they do a movie with that and the only color in there is a Rubik's Cube, I'd be okay with that. Like that's wow. just, it's just That fun, would be pretty you know? funny. Yeah, it's just fun. Like the, All the characters were great. All the Spider Men were great. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was better than everything else. I just, but. I just hope that the DC Comics people, because when I was a kid, I mean, DC was where it was at. Yeah. Man. Oh my God, those are still all my favorites. I just hope that the DC people saw this movie, took notes, saw Shazam, took notes, and can do the DC universe correctly. Yeah. I mean, geez, if Justice League had had one tenth of what this movie or Shazam had, you know, it's, it would have been an excellent movie. It's la- uh, to me, it's lazy script writing. Yes, and too many people involved. Well, they're dumbing it down. Yeah, that's the thing. They're mm-hmm. dumbing it down. You can make a movie. The other example that I thought of—I <laughs> mean, I'm no, I'm I'm beating a dead horse <laughs> here too. But the movie that I thought of that I really compared it to was Star Trek: First Contact. Okay, it's it's the first Star Trek Next Generation movie with the Borg in it, right? And they played this in Hungary. I saw this in Hungary. They had never shown a Star Trek movie in Hungary before this. This is the first one that most Hungarians had ever seen, and they loved it. They ate it up. Why? Because that movie doesn't dumb down to the audience, right? They don't go, okay, here's Batman's origin story, which you've seen 47 times. No, instead they go, okay, one more time. And they do the origin story in about 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, that's... That's the kind of stuff you want to see. Don't dumb it down. You yeah. can do a movie with parallel universes and origin stories and and you know Armageddon and stuff and and not spoon feed it. Yeah, I just love how aware um, Lord and Miller. I know I think Miller was just a producer on this one this time, but Phil Lord is with his writing. Um, the whole you know backstory for each spider-man they're like okay one more time yeah and then yeah. they do all three like the last three spider-man that come in they just do all of theirs at the same time right. knowing that the audience has seen it three other times with each of the other spider-man right there was, there was they this, know it yeah. there was this one bit where uh, i'm watching it with my wife this time around the third time around i'm watching it with my wife and uh you know spider gwen mm-hmm. says 
Okay, one more time. You know, I got bitten by radio. My friend Peter Parker died. And you know the rest. Yeah. Right? And my wife goes, no, I don't. And then she does the rest. <laughs> right? I mean, it was perfect. Right? Yeah. Because, again, it's a perfect example of not dumbing it down. Just wait for us. We'll explain it. Yeah. Just have faith. All right? Which is what storytellers should do. They yeah. should elicit your faith. That's suspension of disbelief. Tell me something crazy and make it work. Yeah. And they did. And they did. Yeah. And then the Spider-Man that does get squished in the beginning of the movie, he talks about how, oh, yeah, it's always world ending stuff. Like he addresses that in movies Mm -hmm. like conflict is always, you know, it's going to be to this these high stakes. And he addresses it and is like, oh, these characters are self-aware. It's it's awesome. It's refreshing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love, too, that in this universe, Doc Ock is a woman. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome. And that's uh, I think it's Catherine Hahn. And yeah. that uh, Aunt May is a total badass. <laughs> yeah. Um, played by Lily Tomlin, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I went to see an early screening of this. I won a contest on Twitter. Um, and they're like, oh, here, you're one of the 30 people that want a seat. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I went in there, sat down, not sure what to expect. And I was like, I know I love Lord and Miller. Everything they do is gold. But, you know, like, who knows? Like, I haven't heard anything about this Spider-Man movie, but the posters look, they look, they look flashy and neat. So I sat down and the animation comes on and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I was a huge animation nerd as a kid, like wanted to be an animator. Like my uncle took me to Disney Studios to meet some, he worked there back in the day and he took me to meet some of the animators and that was like the time of my life. Oh my goodness. But just seeing what they were doing with the different layers, seeing the combination of like 3D animation with 2D. So what they did, um, I found out, is that they did a lot of it by computer. They did a lot of that, but then they went back and, you know, like rendered the lines so that they were hand-drawn. So every, and then the the frame rate is halved, but still it Hmm. took like, it took, um, they had a panel afterwards with the directors and with Lord and Miller, and they said it took five years to make this movie, not just because they were hand-drawing frames, but because they were inventing new technology, which is a lot of what a lot of animated movies require nowadays, you, like Lucasfilm and uh, um, what is their company called? Something Light? Uh, Industrial Light. Industrial Light. Yeah, they're coming, they had to come up with brand new technology, brand new math to be able to do what they did. They actually announced the um that they were that it was on the Sony slate during the kind of the email leak, that whole fiasco. Oh, so right. and then last year was five years later. It took them that long to make this movie at half the frame rate. Wow. I just like the fact that they'd use different Spider Men to do a multiverse rather than one Spider Man. Like kind of yeah. like time traveling because that that never makes sense. No, See, that never again, works. again, Superman. Yeah, Superman could do this tomorrow. Batman could do this tomorrow. We've already seen so many different versions of yep. those two characters, and we all know the origin story. God, I just wish the these iconic characters could get this. But you haven't seen the origin story, like how I would do it. That's what's going to make it interesting. Does he still <laughs> come from Krypton on a rocket to Kansas? Okay. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm moving Superman to South Pole. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's going to be better. Cool. Well, there's a great alternate version of Superman where he lands in Russia instead. That's great. <laughs> Let's bring out Bizarro Superman. Yeah, see? Bizarro's you could do great. That, though. You could do that. Why? You'd have the 30s Superman. You'd have the 50s Superman. Or if you did Batman, you could have the cheesy Adam West Batman. Yes, you Adam could have West Batman. The Michael Keaton Batman. You they could should have do Justice this League. This Batman. Yeah, that's yeah. what they should do Justice League immediately with the Bizarro. 
<laughs> immediately. Like, the first one should have been the Bizarro Justice League. That's and all it, I remember about yeah. DC, Bizarro. Why they cut everyone else out? Like, just have the original Justice League and then yeah. have the Bizarro Justice League. Like, right there. The, yep. Was it the Legion of Doom? Yep, yeah. Legion of Doom. Right there. Yep. But then, no, they, they did their own little they thing. They don't have the confidence in the audience. They didn't have the confidence in the material, and they dumbed it down. Bizarro Super, that'd be great. Sure would. Sullivan's Travels, released in 1941, directed by Preston Sturgis, starring Joel McRae and Veronica Lake, currently sitting at 61 on the AFI's Top 100 Best American Films of All Time. The story revolves around a very successful director of comedies and musicals who longs to be taken seriously as a director. He sets out to make a great American dramatic picture. The only problem, his life is too easy and privileged, so he sets out to find some hardship and gets more than he bargained for. Oz? Okay. <laughs> well, I can't wait for this. One of my first thoughts on this movie was that this is pretty much exactly the reason why Walter doesn't like old black and white movies. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible to me that this film was basically released in between Citizen Kane and Casablanca. And again, you know, you don't have to feel great about those movies, but both of those movies were outstandingly innovative in either screenwriting or cinematography, editing, that kind of stuff. Okay. This film was a very, very, very typical, you know, golden age of Hollywood kind of movie, late 30s, early 40s kind of movie. Nothing really innovative about it. It looks like a play. Okay, the 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 acting is melodramatic as hell, and the dialogue is just crazy. I mean, okay, I I I I copied a couple of my favorite parts here. Um, I liked how very earnestly how our hero is explaining at the beginning that uh, oh, grim death is gargling around every corner. Hmm. So death uses mouthwash, I guess now. I, I was guess, wondering about that, too. Yeah, gargling around every... I mean, are you even listening to what you're saying, sir? Okay, and the other bit, and this just busted me up. This, I knew what we were in for as soon as I got this dialogue. Let's see if I can do this at all well. All right, it goes like this. What do you know about trouble? What do I know about trouble? Yes, what do you know about trouble? What do you, what do you mean, what do I know about trouble? Just what I'm saying. You want to make a movie about garbage cans? What do you know about garbage cans? When did you eat your last meal out of one? Come on, seriously? I mean, and, and the movie, you know, depends on series of coincidences and, and calls on me to suspend my disbelief that Victoria Lake looks like a street person right after we were told she looks like Mae West. You know, I'm supposed to accept this stuff. And, and, and I was going off about Rotten Tomatoes before. Let me say this. This is one of, I think, 30 or 32 films with a perfect rating on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Okay, that should... Perfect? Casablanca does not, okay? Wait, critic or audience? I think it's critics, okay? So, you know, this just goes to show, you know, the power of Rotten Tomatoes. But I don't think that... I, I don't think that I have any problem slaughtering this sacred cow you know, number 61 on the AFI overrated movies uh, list. You know, there was very little good about this movie. I just thought it was really dumb. <laughs> Rachel? Um, I thought it was fine. Again, like I was kind of uh, looking at it from, uh, all right, this is an old movie. It's going to be very different to what I watched. So I was like 
grading it against this very like nebulous steep scale. curve yeah yeah so i was just like i don't know what i'm looking at man shoot uh I, I can compare this to i guess charlie chaplin which i've seen a bit of quite a bit i guess i i tried to mimic his walking once in a while like when i'm bored um that's why i've seen it uh and uh singing in the rain which is like an old movie i actually like um and i was just like this is different from both of those how do I watch this? <laughs> but I, I mean, it was all right. Like I, at, at the end of it, I was like, okay, it's a feel good movie. It's, it's all right. It wasn't, the way to put it is I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> but it was fine. It didn't make me mad, but it was, it was, it was fine. That's how I felt about it. Like I thought it was, you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of slow. And I'm like, Rachel, it's an old movie. It's going to be slow. And, and there, there was a scene where there, uh, he gets in this car with this kid who has like a homemade car or something. I didn't understand that, but he's like being chased by a land yacht and they're like, the editing there was pretty quick. And I was like, oh, this is, this is fairly fast editing compared to what I expected. I was like, all right, maybe it's, and then it slowed down again. And I was like, okay, um, the bone that I have to pick, this is silly. Veronica Lake's character is called the girl. She doesn't have a name. She's just called the girl. Almost none of them do. Yeah. I was like, what? Why? I think only She's you had a weeds. problem with that. I had no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> like it would it would be fine if there was like a point to it, but why? I don't know. That's yeah, it was fine. Wouldn't watch it again, but it was fine. Uh, Solomon Travels for me, uh I think so because I don't watch a lot of movies, obviously, from that time era. I still don't know whether or not having multiple themes in a movie it was a normal thing back then. They had way too many themes going on, and hmm. so you're just jumping around. Like uh, first, I thought the theme. I think they had one theme of like no good deed goes unpunished, or that, that was towards the end. Uh, they had one uh, like help people because you never know who you help; it, it could benefit you. Um, and then that goes way to something. And then at the end, it, it ends with um, if we make people laugh, their lives will be better, no also, matter where they are. Don't help homeless people. Yeah, don't. Yeah, well, that's right. no good. No good deed goes unpunished, and then you know, and then karma will get you. Yes, because karma yes. got him right away. Uh, so I mean, there's just so many things going on that I thought that this is if that was their goal to have as, squeeze as many themes into one movie as possible, they succeeded at that. But as a movie, it's not something you want to watch. It's just I don't for me personally, there's too many things going on. Uh, editing was slow, and again, I think that's maybe the sign of the times uh, back then. Uh, everything, everything, all the characters were just so like out there, like uh, they're so uh, like over the top. Yeah. Um, and then Veronica comes in, and they're eating at this. And I don't know back then. Maybe back then where they were eating, there's not Hollywood actresses everywhere. I don't know. But it's just like, of course she's an actress. Um, I wish that they focused more on them, uh, like in terms of like their romantic relationship, uh, rather than his quest to be, to become uh, to find like hardship. Um, that that was just all kind of you know. And then they went to. I wish jail. they would have spent more time on the road. But I mean, on that, the road. yeah, together was, on the road. That was the point is that is that, you know, it's a road when, trip he, movie. when he finally gets to Skid Row, let's, yeah. let's call it. It wasn't really Skid Row, but let's call it there. When he finally gets to that place that he does. I mean, they're basically dialing him out within 10 minutes of movie mm-hmm. time. I mean, he did come out of jail a little bit creatively, you know, a little bit. He thought, oh, if I do this and this will happen and that'll happen. But I just thought when in the uh, what what stunted it for me was in the beginning the first maybe like 30 minutes 40 minutes he was trying to get on the road he was trying to get on yes. the road with, with the girl quote unquote the girl 
And then he kept coming back. Yes. And then he kept and he's saying, like, I can't leave. Yeah, I can't leave. And so I thought maybe that's the thing. You can't leave with yeah, your true see, destiny. Yeah, that would have been cool. But I thought that's where they were they going. They switched it again. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like a cosmic groundhog day situation where he yeah. like, yes. can't leave. He can't yes. leave. And I thought that would have been Guys, interesting. We have a movie on our hands. Walter, I know, right? write it. <laughs> Seriously. But if then you... he kept coming back. And then the last time he left, he left without the girl. And it's like, you just set up, you just spent this whole time getting this girl, this and I'm going to call it the girl, into the movie, and you build this relationship with the, the two leads, and then now she's not on the road with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And then all these bad things happen. So mm-hmm. there's that another theme? Yep. Like, uh, if you got to have, the girl has to be with you all the time for you to have a good life. Like, what? so to me, there's just way too many things yeah, going on. Yeah, in a movie, if you try to say too much, you end up saying nothing. Yeah. Period. And, and that's think, what this movie really said in yeah. the end, ultimately, is nothing. It justified, like, comedy pictures. Yeah. I mean, you know, self-serving. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the sign of the times back then. Like, this is how they made movies, and th- th- this is novel for them, and it was great, and that's how it made the list. But I, see, I don't know. but see, it isn't. Yeah, Just look at not, the yeah. AFI list. Philadelphia Story. Okay, that's cheesy as hell too, but it's got Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart in it. So you're like, wow, there's some energy here. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like watching these guys. Yeah. You know, Casablanca again is a year later. I don't mean to beat it to death. The same year this thing came out was Maltese Falcon. That's a great movie. You know, I mean, it's not like but the, innovation any, and good movies didn't exist in 1941 because yeah. they did. This just isn't one of them. Did any of those movies have Veronica Lake in it? Well, there you go. See, I no. think that's the key with no. Sense of the Pilot. She was almost naked. Almost naked. Almost. Almost. I actually... I, I thought she was kind of sexy as a hobo, which was a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I seriously. Had to, no joke. I, I, to be completely frank, I actually rewound the shower scene because I thought, wait... Because I know back then the nudity things was a little bit different, like in the 40s and 50s. And they got they got more strict later on. Yes. But so I thought, wait, did I miss her boob? And then so for research purposes, I rewound it. And <laughs> for I thought, science. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 that, that's not her boob. That was like a shadow uh, or suds or whatever. It was an almost um, boob. It was almost. But they planned it so well. They planned, you know, they planned everything so well. Um, but yeah, so if those of you that want to watch Sullivan's Travels for nudity – Go to 3753 and pause it just at the, yeah, right, at the time. right time. Does what we watch influence who we are or do we watch things that reflect who we are? Yes. Of course, it's bigger than all of us. I, I'd, say it's, I'd say it's more of the second than the first. Uh, right now, it's both. When I was young, it was probably when I was finding myself, it was probably the other way. Yes, I think it's a total feedback loop, and it's going both ways both times for me, at least personally. What kind of stories are missing on TV and film, if anything? You know what's interesting? Ever since Seinfeld went off the air, there's been a real lack of sitcoms. A real lack of interesting intelligent sitcoms. Actually, I shouldn't say that after The League went off, which was a great show (laughs) by some of the same creators of Seinfeld. But uh, yeah, sitcoms. Where are the sitcoms? Uh, I think uh, interesting and new premises is what's missing. Um, well, we just talked about one of them, Sp- Spider-Verse. We need more innovative movies like that. Will the rise of YouTube and small screen short video platforms like TikTok, does production value matter anymore? That's an interesting question. I would say probably not. It helps, but probably not. I think it's one of those things uh, when it's there, you don't notice it. But when it's missing, you'll notice. Mm. And I think that's what's going to happen. Ooh, good point. Yes, I'm with you there. Absolutely. Is there nostalgia for the way media used to be viewed, or does having a TV in everyone's pocket only have advantages? Um, 
doesn't always have advantages. I just want to say this real quick. Um, one of the problems with nostalgia is when you get nostalgic, very often you are hoping for yourself at that time. Yeah. You're not hoping for that time to return because most of us agree that Actually, if you look at it, the past is actually a little bit crummier than the present, usually for most people. So I'm not going to worry too much about nostalgia. I think the major uh, disadvantage of having a phone in your pocket is that people can call you wherever you are. What's that like? (laughs) So popular. (laughs) It's all spam. I tell you, it's all spam. I got eight numbers and you guys are four of them in my phone. Uh, I think... uh... Having a phone in your pocket, it's just too much. We, we've far exceeded the amount of media that we can digest, and it's just too much or too accessible. The accessibility is just too much, and that, that's what's Wait, lacking. Hang on, I've got Leonardo DiCaprio on line one. Yeah. Well, we know about him <laughs> in, in, in St. Bart's on his yacht <laughs> right? With, with topless models. Right, right. But we don't hey, know anything about Leo. At least he's you know. saving the trees. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Alleged, yes. Yeah, because the yacht, I think they row the yacht. Um, as a person that doesn't have a TV yet, I miss having a TV and watching things on a phone is not the same, but, uh, I read somewhere that humans are really only supposed to interact with like 150 people max. Like that's about the size of like a standard, like village back in the day. Like when communities got too big, that was why we needed governments and we needed divisions for cities. It's just because like, we're not supposed Mm. to interact on like a biological basis with so many people. And now that we have thousands, some people have thousands of followers that they're interacting with. It's just, that's probably why we're also anxious and depressed all the time. It's not supposed to be that way. And you're supposed to have a core, um, I think it's a, I'll have to look this up later, but a core 15 people that you're like really tight with, like the people that you kind of rely on. They're your tribe, they're your family. And now we just have thousands of people that we're kind of connected to. So... Not an advantage, I don't think, but I'm old school like that. (laughs) The irony. I know. (laughs) I know. The new school meets the old school. Oh, sweet irony. This has been the Guffin Report with Rachel Wong, Oz Davis, Walter Hall. Produced by Inclusive Media. 